2: Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870, Mike Detega, along with Charlie Long. Bobby taking some uh, needed rest time, so uh, he'll be off all next week also. And so Charlie will sit in with me. Uh, We're riding it out, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll ride it through all next week. And so it's all going to be good. And uh, I want to tell everybody at 620 tonight, we'll have Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. And uh, I'm, I'm looking never, forward to that one. Never, Charlie. This much anticipation for a baseball season for the LSU Fighting Tigers. We're going to go back to our Oakwood Jewelers talk. I'm going to go to Scott and Laplace. Scott, you are in the huddle with Bobby, and, uh, Mike, and Charlie? Hey, Mike, how you doing? All right, Scott, how you been, Bud? Hey, good. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you about this quarterback. Charlie told me his name is. I think it's Michael Penix. Yeah, my- left-handed kid from Washington. Yeah, Michael Penix. Uh, man, I go back a long way with Mike. From his high school days, he's from the Tampa area. I think he went to Tampa Bay Technical High School. And then from there, he signs with Indiana. Right, he's a transfer. And then from Indiana, he goes to Washington. And he put up some unbelievable numbers last year. Left hander, about six, two and a half, in that 215 range. Really smart. You can see he's got good placement skills. Uh, his body motion and his setting of the feet is very good. So he's got a. He's got a roll with it. They were eleven and two last year. Yeah, you talk about a really good Washington Huskies uh football team and, and Michael Pinnock's had a lot to do with that and he's broke he's a bunch a, of
3: single season records Yeah, there too.
2: oh absolutely tore it up uh at, at Washington. So he's projected as a first round pick for twenty twenty four, along with a lot of other guys. He's just not in that Caleb Williams category, but uh they ain't many that's been that good. Yeah, he, else. And I saw his accuracy. Was yeah. Like on. And his placement skills of the football in between arms and hands. And when you watch him throw, his setup is so smooth over the top. And he gets it there and it's quick, a real quick delivery. So he's a guy that's uh, going to put up, again, some big numbers. And they've placed a lot of guys, not only transferable portal guys, but some freshmen that they think can come in to help the Huskies very quickly. And that offense is built for Michael Pinnocks. He'll do a great job there in 2023. I hope he's he's on the stage radar. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate Appreciate it. Thanks so much. We're going to go to Clarence in Mississippi. Clarence, you're in the huddle with Mike and Charlie Long. Hey, Mike. How you doing? All right. Clarence, how you been, bud? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I got a question to ask you. All right. Do you do you
4: really
5: believe Braves have anything to do with your chief? Offensive coordinator Judas this not getting any good job. Thanks for
2: taking my call. Okay, Clarence, I know one thing because I've talked to him uh, because he's been to a Louisiana line camp, and he wants to be a head coach. Uh, But I would say 90% of assistant coaches do. Uh, I've had Ryan Nielsen, who was the defensive line coach with the Saints, tell me, I want to be a head coach one day. Kevin Mawai, who was with the Colts, now he's a high school uh, head coach, tell me the exact same thing. He wants to be a head coach one day. Brian Flores, who was with the Patriots, made that comment. I want to be a head coach. He was an assistant with the Patriots. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think there's any question about it. That race has something to do with it, uh, with Eric bien uh, But again, uh, when you got multi-billionaire owners, Charlie, we've talked about this so many times. Right. Man, those guys, they got to pick who they want. Uh, as the head coach you can't really they,
6: regulate it either. yeah
2: you can't regulate uh, who they're gonna are now they've tried you know and but <laughs> again when you spend that much on a football team that owner's gonna have the final say and he's gonna pick people that he feels as though can do the job I think the one thing that's really hurt Eric is the fact that he got turned down sometimes and now owners are saying man if so-and-so didn't pick you why should I Almost a perception yeah, like reality, a yeah, a perception reality issue uh, with Eric enemy We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big Eight Set of Me and Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas,
6: Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.
5: We're
2: back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long, taking you to 8 o'clock tonight. And on our Oakland Hardjula's Talk & Text line, we have Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. Kendall, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
4: You got it, man. I can't, I can't wait for the weekend. We're, we're finally here. Finally.
2: Kendall, I do not remember, and even I have friends of mine that talked to Skip Burtman about this, and they were like, wow, yeah. uh, LSU, uh, I, I don't know if there's ever been a buildup before a season like it is today uh, for LSU baseball. What Jay Johnson has been able to recruit there from the high school kids to the transfer yeah. portal, what he's got returning, that this team looks Uh, almost has some earmarks of what Tennessee was looked at last year coming into the season. But I had a friend of mine wanted me to ask you, where did you guys have Ole Miss to start the season? Because we saw they were highly ranked, uh, I know, to start the season. Then, man, uh, you talk about hit the skids. And all of a sudden, they come to Baton Rouge and sweep a series. And that set off a team that was red hot and it took them to a national championship. But where did you have Ole Miss to start the season last year?
4: Yeah. I mean, we had them as the number one team in college. Okay. Okay. I mean, that, I mean, they were one of those clubs that, you know, at the beginning of the year, you looked at on paper, you're like, man, they're going to be really good. You know, they have got all these pieces back on the mound. They've got Tim Elko, Kevin Graham and guys like, you know, guys like that back offensively, you know, you kind of expected Jacob Gonzalez to make an instant impact. And so, I mean they were the preseason number one team in the country yeah. and so you know when you look at a, at a club like Ole Miss that you know people go oh well you know it's a Cinderella story man it's far from that they, <laughs> yeah. they were the number one team in the country for a few weeks during the season so they they were just one of those clubs that you know went through the doldrums for a while and uh you know by the end of the season ended up being a national championship caliber club
2: yeah no question about it and and in- we talked about, Charlie and I were talking about, it's getting hot at the right time, isn't it? Uh, because we saw Tennessee, and it's the first time I can remember people down here who, man, they dislike the the head coach, the manager, Taylor. the Tennessee, everything. And they were pulling for Notre Dame to beat them, you know, which, which did happen um, at that particular point. But it is also about piecing it together late.
4: No, there's no doubt. I mean, I think it – well, especially when you look at the Southeastern Conference as deep as that league is, I mean, you really cannot get too high or too low in that league. Because if you do, uh, I mean, that'll just wear you out. And, and the thing that I've noticed over the last decade or so is, you know, there was a year that Arkansas was ranked, yeah. you know, at the, at the end of the SEC play it was, you know, eighth place. And, they end up getting Omaha and getting to the Final Four. The, the you know the year one of the years that Vanderbilt won the national championship. I think they finished fifth in the Southeastern Conference. They won the national championship. So you know it's one of those things. Like if you're an LSU fan, you're thinking, okay, the, you know you know seventh national championship is the expectation, but you also don't want to put too much stock in the regular season. Like, yeah, do you want to win the SEC? Sure. But, uh, you know, is it the end of the world if you finish second or third or something like that? Absolutely not. So I think patience is important, especially as this league continues to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you add Texas and OU in a couple years, uh, you know, know, fans have to be patient.
3: Kendall, talking about the SEC, I'm looking at y'all's rankings right now. Seven of the top ten teams are from the SEC, four of the top five. I mean, is this as deep of a conference as you've seen? Like, I know the SEC has always been on top of the college baseball world, but comparing it to former years, is this the best the SEC has ever been?
4: I think so. I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, people talk so much about SEC football, but I mean, I would argue SEC baseball is even more dominant, because, right? Uh, more
2: dominant across yes, the board.
4: It, well, the, the thing that's crazy is, you know, I was I was on an Arkansas radio show a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, "Well, the, you know, we're eighth in the country." The bad news is, we're sixth in the SEC. <laughs> <And> so, you <laughs> that's know, just an idea how good this league is. But the thing that's really interesting about the Southeastern Conference is. You know, there for a while it was, you know, the, the the teams dominated all the rankings. Now it's getting to the point where when you look at the prospect rankings in general, the you know the the, the talent level in this league, you know, it's like the top, the we were doing our top tw- or uh, 2024 top 150 prospects today for the draft in two years, and I mean I'm telling you, I think like 14 of the top 16 guys were SEC players, so the problem these other conferences are having these other regions are having this is a topic for probably another another radio hit but i mean when you look out west you look at jacquette gonzalez at at old miss you look at some of the kids uh you know like the romero kid that that, you know uh, gonna go to lsu you know guys like that like they're leaving the west coast to go to the sec why because the sec is considered you know the old school nl east and you know, kids kids want to play in those ballparks. Kids want to play with elite, you know, with and against elite talent. And it is a even more so by a hundred yards bigger deal than NIL. The perception of the SEC is really hurting some of these schools around the country, and even hurting the West Coast schools.
3: Kendall you're just talking about that 2024 prospects list one player that was on it was Tommy White which is the transfer from NC State he lit it up as a freshman he's only a sophomore so he's got one more year of eligibility I remember we had you on last year and you were saying that LSU should really make a run at this kid in the transfer portal because when he entered the transfer portal it surprised the college baseball world no one was really expecting it but they did it Jay Johnson got his guy what kind of an impact do you think he makes immediately with this team?
4: I think the biggest thing about Tommy is just his presence. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, when I saw them in the fall against against the Cajuns, uh, I mean, he just had a kind of an aura about him. he was obviously a very confident guy, but he's a really team-oriented guy. And sometimes, you know, you get star players. And Dylan Craig's the same way, by the way. You know, sometimes you get star players, and it's like they don't really mesh well with the culture. They don't mesh well with the team. He absolutely does. And I think the thing about Tommy is, You know, he's just a guy that, like Dylan, uh, is, you know, offensively just one of those guys that scares you every time he steps in the box. I mean, he's a guy that can go, uh, you know, opposite field uh, for a home run. He's a guy that really, really likes to go between the gaps with his home run balls. Uh, He can pull pitches. And so, you know, as a hitter, he can do it all. Uh, The thing that I'll be interested to see is what can he do uh, at the hot corner. You know, if you remember last year with Jacob Berry, uh, obviously, wasn't the prettiest defense in the world early in the season, but he did get better as the season progressed, and it sounds like Tommy is actually, you know, is, is actually much further along than Jacob Berry was at this point last year. So, I think he's a total package. I mean, is he Dylan Cruz? No, but uh, boy, it's not. It's not a massive step down from Dylan Cruz.
2: Bringing in Wes uh, to handle the pitchers uh, for LSU, I think, is is a big thing. Any time a guy leaves. You know, Major League Baseball team to come to college baseball. It goes to show you that NIL money is pretty good for the coaches, too, now, uh, for him to come here to LSU. And everybody's looking for left handed pitchers, Kendall. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Everybody wants them. And so they're in such high demand. But you think the impact, what, what Wes is going to do with this pitching staff.
4: Well, I mean, it's kind of twofold. I mean, I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's a massive gift. Because, I mean, if you're LSU, you're sitting here, going, you're sitting here telling kids, like, hey, man, this guy, this guy left a team that was on the way to the MLB postseason to come coach here. Like, that's how much this school means to him in his eyes. That's how good this program can be. And so, from a recruiting standpoint, it's a great gift. But I think when you look at Wes and you look at the job that he's done at every single stop of the road, you look at what he did at Arkansas – you look at what he did, uh, you know, at Mississippi State. He gets the most out of his arms, and he's a guy that is going to have big velocity uh, arms. And, and granted, Mississippi State fans will criticize him because they did have a rash of injuries under West. But, I mean, you know, he's a guy that has proven results, and he's an even better person. So it's, it's really, I mean, it's a perfect fit for that program, and it's certainly a, it was certainly a big gift for uh, Jay from a perception standpoint.
3: Yeah, Kendall, talking about the pitching staff, it's just been a complete overhaul from what we saw last year. I think after they lost to Southern Miss in that regional, Jay Johnson's comments were very clear. We're not going to have to deal with this again. So he goes out on the transfer portal and he gets guys like Paul Skeens and Thatcher Hurd. And then he gets these these great freshmen as well. If you look at the rotation that he set for this weekend against Western Michigan, Skeens is a new pitcher. And then Chase Short is on Sunday as a new pitcher as well as the freshman that can apparently throw 99 miles per hour. So I want to talk. I want you to talk a little bit about the additions that he made on that pitching rotation. Uh, not just Wes Johnson as the coach, but the players that he went out and got in the transfer portal and recruiting.
2: Other thing to Kendall: uh, Has anybody in the SEC? i may maybe better off asking this way across the country that has more depth than LSU. Uh,
4: depth? No. I mean, the crazy thing, I think, with, with Grant Taylor, I think they were by far the best pitching staff overall in the country. Uh, without him, they they kind of take a hit because I mean honestly, he was the best arm I saw in the fall. But you know the the, the thing about LSU, and the thing about Jay is like he's willing to 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 kind of take some gambles early on. Like he knows he has an elite offense, so he can look at his rotation this weekend and go, you know what? We'll throw a Chase Jordan there. Who by the way, when I saw him, it was ninety 95- five you know, 96 with, like, a wipeout slider, obviously a big frame. But, you know, we can put a a freshman in the rotation. You know what? Riley Cooper's had a really nice start to the spring. We can put him in the recon rotation. And because of our offense, hey, if if one of those two guys falters, uh, we have the offense to kind of back them up. So, I think the fact that they're able to use those guys in the weekend like they are tells you how much depth they have. I do think there's some some toying around that Jay's doing. You know, if you look at, you know, a a couple of Tuesdays from now, they're going to play Texas. Uh, and I think, you know, he probably he's probably looking at Christian Little or Thatcher Hurd to start that game there in Austin. But uh, there's no doubt. I mean, when you look at Chase George, Riley Cooper, uh, Christian Little, uh, Thatcher Hurd, uh, Ty Floyd, Paul Skeens, I mean, that that's as good as it gets in college baseball. And so what's crazy is I think Grant Taylor would have made that just like that would have been like icing on the cake for me. But it's still a very, very good pitching stuff.
2: Kendall, is there a team out there, maybe I consider in the top five or six, that you say, well, uh, man, that was tough not to put them in that top five. I think they could make a run at this and, and and be a major player if they can get to Omaha.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt in terms of outside the top five. You know, we we put uh, Texas A&M at, I think, six, uh, six or seven. And they're a team that I could easily see, you know, playing and potentially winning a national championship. I think when you look at teams around the country – um, that have have that pedigree you 're really looking at teams that are older uh, teams that have been there before, and if you look at their club last year, um, you know they they you know they, they bring back i think what seven or eight guys from the starting lineup from last yeah. year 's Omaha team that finished in the final four, they bring back two of the three weekend starters uh, who pitched in omaha they're they 're back this year they got their closer. Who pitched or one of their closers who pitched in Omaha last year back for another year. So, I just look at those guys as one of those teams that, you know, when you when you think of college baseball, you think of old experience, that bats and he's pitched and they have a lot of that on their team this year.
2: Your valuation of Dylan Cruz. If you okay, if you would describe him to somebody that hasn't watched him uh, play, what would be uh, your description of Dylan?
4: Uh, I would say like that's exactly what I want him to look like. Um, you know, I would. I know this sounds kind of insane, but like I actually feel like he's a he's a better overall player right now than Alex was when he was at LSU. I, I, you know, if you remember with Alex, I mean, he had some moments in his LSU career where I mean there were some dips, there were some peaks and valleys in his career, and I remember, you know, what one of his one of his years is kind of the early parts of social media. Now, I remember during like the middle of his year. I mean, I think they, I think he got to a point where like he didn't do interviews for like a week. He wasn't, a, he like took himself off social media, and so there was a point in Alex Bregman's career at LSU where like he got to that level, and Dylan Cruz just is a guy that has not gotten to a level of be you know, of peaks and valleys. Like it has been peaks for him, and you know, knock on wood, and that's not to say that it can't happen this year, but I just look at him, you know, he to me. Um, he, he just, he kind of has that Bregman kind of just, you know, hard nosed gritty baseball player look to him and he's cut down in the swings and misses. He could, he would probably still say he could be better, but you're talking about a guy with, with plus power, just a plus hit tool, a plus approach. Uh, he's a really good defender. And, you know, I, I, I feel like this, as, this aspect of a player is like very overrated, but I think when you look at him overall, just as his persona like he is a guy that goes out there uh, in every at bat and he looks like you he he looks like a big leaguer like he he does not look like he's scared he looks like he's totally in the moment and it it's hard it's hard to, to wire people like that you know it's kind of one of those things like either you got it or you don't and he's got a lot of it
2: one of the things i pick up when i hear coaches talk because i think they tell you yeah. the truth most of the time and and we've had jay johnson on here numerous times And we've asked him about other teams in the SEC. And, you know, and he's talked and thrown out the credits to the Mississippi States and Ole Misses and Tennessees and Floridas of the world and Texas A&M. You know he's talked about more than anybody? Arkansas. He will continually bring that up about Demon look one. at that program. Look at how they can recruit. Look at what they have yeah. on the roster. And I found it funny, you know, because last year when we were going through this, you know, Tennessee gets hot. and But he, he continually brought up the Razorbacks over and over again. And it's funny, we had him on a week ago. And, Charlie, what did he talk about? Arkansas.
4: Yeah, I mean, the thing about Arkansas is, uh, I mean, they really become the, the model of consistency in that league. I mean, if you think about the – you know, you think about, for instance, you think about Florida, like Florida there for a while was the model of consistency. Yep. But, you know, Florida, you know, the last two years has gotten knocked out of their home regional, and one of the years they went 0-2 in one of those regionals. So, Florida is no longer that model. Arkansas is that model. I mean, they're a team that, that year in and year out, no matter who they lose, uh, whether it's injuries or draft like they are in the Omaha discussion or or they're getting to Omaha. And so, uh, I mean, I I see why he brings them up because even this year, when you look at those guys overall, you know, we talked about Grant Taylor's injury, but, you know, they're going to lose. They lost their Friday night starter in Jackson Wiggins. And I can tell you right now, look at the end of the season, they might have question marks, but I can tell you right now, we can fast forward into the season and they will once again be in that discussion. They just created a culture to where no matter what happened in that in that program, like their players believe that they're, you know, championship caliber and it and it and it shows.
3: Kendall, we've talked a lot about the SEC, but I gotta ask a question about my alma mater. Uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Kendall. They made their return to the postseason <laughs> last year. I I was so excited to see them back in a regional play, obviously at college station. Uh, but they're trying to defend their Sun Belt title this upcoming year. And but the Sun Belts getting better. They introduce Southern Miss, Old Dominion. They're yeah. bringing in these new programs. Do you, what do you think of, of the Cajuns' prospects of potentially defending their Sun Belt championship?
4: Yeah, I mean, number one, the Sun Belts are going to be a great league. I mean, I think if you look at college baseball leagues around the country, uh, other than the ACC and the SEC and the Big Twelve, the Sun Belt might be the one for me. I mean, I just think. With that, those additions, you know, Southern Miss has it rolling right now. You know, speaking of teams outside the top five that I can easily see in Omaha and making a run, keep an eye on those guys and your Louisiana boy Tanner Hall. Yep. But uh, I love, love the makeup of the Sun Belt right now. It's, it's a lot of programs that really care about college baseball. Uh, but as it, as it pertains to Louisiana, uh, I really like their club in, in the fall. I mean, it, it was unfortunate they had to face LSU that day because LSU was on fire. But I really, really like this club. I think, you know, pitching-wise, they do have some question marks. I think they need guys like Jake and They need guys like Carson Fluno to really step up for them. I, I did like them uh, in the scrimmage, but they're going to have to be elite for them to make a run to Omaha. But uh, offensively, there's no doubt in my mind this is Omaha caliber club. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, Kyle DeBarge for me up the middle is about as close to Blake Trahan uh is, is you can really get. Uh he's gonna be a top pick in a couple of years. I really, really like him. You know, Carson Rock of 40 is one of the best players in college baseball. Uh in the outfield, Julian Brock behind the plates, as good as anybody in the country back there. He's also a powerful hitter. And you just go run the diamond. I mean it's like a it's just like a laundry list of really good players. Heath Hoods are just a really nice player. Will Vayon uh if you remember back in, in the college station regional last year played really well and so I think Matt finally – I think the Cajuns finally, for the first time in years, have an offensive look that you go, okay, that that, that is the Matt Degg type of offense that was the reason why this program, you know, did win 50-plus games one year. I, I still maintain that was one of the best teams I've ever seen not get to Omaha. I went to that Super against Ole Miss, and, God, man, I love that team. This team, I think, can be that offensively. Pitching is where I'm, I have my questions, but uh, there's no doubt they're a postseason team for me.
2: Uh, Kendall, I have a friend of mine who texts me about asking about Ole Miss and their chances in the SEC and maybe making it back to Omaha.
4: Yeah, they're going to be good again. I mean, I, I think we look at Ole Miss overall clearly losing Tim Elko and, and Kevin Graham's going to hurt. I mean, you look yeah. at the, just the veteran leadership they provided; that was huge. But I think when you look at the mound, you know, with guys like, uh, you know, Xavier Rivas, you look at Grayson Sonier, uh, a talented addition for them, one of the best freshmen in college baseball this year. And then Hunter Elliott, you know, we think back to the Ole Miss' run last year, and you think about the, the different heroes they have. Yeah,
2: it was, uh, they every have night was team. somebody different, right? No, exactly. Yeah.
4: But, you know, Hunter Elliott, uh, who I kind of call Doug Nikhazy 2.0, he looks just like Doug Nikhazy <laughs> from a couple years ago at Ole Miss. You know, he was outstanding in Omaha. And I think for Ole Miss to, to finish top five like we have them, he needs to have a big year. I think he will. I think you'll see Jacob Gonzalez uh, you know, hit well over where he hit last year. I think he hit around 270 with premium power. But I think he's more of a 330 and 340 hitter this year. And keep an eye on Kemp Alderman. I think he's a guy for me when I look at Ole Miss that I go, you know what, I think he's going to take a big step forward offensively. Keep an eye on him.
2: Kendall, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You got it, we, brother. We'll, t- re- we'll see you soon. Really appreciate it. we'll have you back, brother, because we have a lot of LSU baseball to talk about. Man, when they're going to lose that first midweek oh, game. Boy. Man, we're going to get – Wait, wait, wait why? How can they lose a Wednesday game or yeah, a Tuesday game? They don't understand oh, baseball.
4: Yeah, like I said, LSU fans, be patient. It's a long season.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Kendall. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. All righty. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. And uh, man, high hopes for the Tigers and everywhere you go, Charlie, I don't care where I'm at, man, I can't wait for LSU baseball to start. And so uh, you're going to get it There's tomorrow. no way they're
3: not incredible, right? I mean, come on. The roster is unbelievable. Jay Johnson's a really good coach. Wes Johnson's a great pitching coach. The pieces are in place. Yeah, like
2: like I told him last week, man, uh, you came in. I have a friend of mine who scouts baseball in California. He told me he's the Steve Spurrier of college uh, baseball. I said, you got to win those championships Mm -hmm. like Spurrier did in Florida. And he said, I'll do my best. He took that as a big-time compliment. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break.
1: When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com.
6: we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
2: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. We've gotten some texts and calls about it, but uh, number one ranked LSU will bring in the season uh, tomorrow against Western Michigan. That time has been moved. Now it's at 3 p.m., pregame at 2.30, and you can hear that game on our sister station, uh, BET 92.9 FM or 1350 AM, or on the free Odyssey app. Now, the rest of the series you can hear on WWL. Radio game two Saturday uh, pregame I think is one o'clock first pitch 1.30. and then Sunday pregame at uh, t- I think it's twelve noon and the the start time is twelve thirty so the Saturday Sunday games you can hear on WWL radio WWL. Dot com and the free Odyssey app, but tomorrow the game being moved uh, 2, three o'clock. Pre-game starts at two thirty. You can hear it on Bet ninety two point nine or thirteen fifty a.m. Uh, Charlie, one of the things that uh, man you, you think about you getting older, but uh, uh, Tim McCarver, man, what, what man twenty one years he played in the major leagues. He did twenty three. World Series broadcast, passed away today, 81 years old. I can remember as a young kid, uh, Tim McCarver as a catcher uh, for the then St. Louis Cardinals, and he goes to Philly in Montreal, and he has double stints, uh, uh, twice to Philly, twice to St. Louis, but 21 years in the majors, uh, wins a couple of World Series championships, uh, an all-star catcher. Um, passed away today, eighty-one years old, and Hall of Fame broadcaster, and a, a guy that when you heard that voice, you didn't need to see the face. Oh yeah, you knew it was t- did such a great job. Yeah, Cardinals Hall of Famer
3: as well. So I mean, his his impact on Major League Baseball. I think um, Rob Manfred put out a, a, a statement about it too, just kind of um, eulogizing his service with with uh, Major League Baseball after his playing career, his broadcasting career as well, just. Great, great, great broadcaster for sure.
2: And if you get to hear the interviews that he gives that were taped about him catching Bob Gibson, you know, man, and I can remember Bob when he was in his prime. My goodness, he was the most intimidating pitcher. Uh, yeah, they uh, moved the mound back. Right? Yeah, like, I in you know, that, that time reason. frame. Uh, man And Tim would tell all kinds of stories about Gibson, about how he was intimidating. Literally and, changed baseball. Yeah, and he'd push you back off. Man, if you started to crowd the plate, he would push you back real fast uh, with it. So uh, God bless him. Uh, again, prayers and thoughts out to the uh, family and, and friends of Tim McCarver and a guy. Uh, You either saw play or you listened to for so, so many years. We'll be back with more Sports Talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. We're finishing up here in the 6 o'clock hour on Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. Log in and listen to WWL for your chance to win Stevie Nicks tickets. That's right. You can wear a pair of tickets to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Stevie Nicks, April 2nd at the Smoothie King Center. All you got to do is log in and listen. For every hour that you listen, now through February 28th, you can earn an additional entry. The more you listen, the more chances to win. Let's go. Log in and listen and win. Stevie Nicks tickets from WWL. Uh, I, it just fascinates me, the uh, the run here with the SEC. And I think you know we've talked about it so many times with Bob and I and also you, Charlie, about – the dominance of the SEC in baseball, and for some people, when they first heard it, ah, uh, there's no way they could compete like that in football. No, they're better. They're better in baseball than football. Look Absolutely. at look at the team set up and then uh, you think about it, Charlie, and with just a couple of years, Texas, Oklahoma, yeah, there's a two other entering really the fray uh, into that also. So, man, uh, you talk about a stacked SEC. Uh, they have it this year again. And, you know, again, they're going to have heavy representation when Omaha rolls around. Seven
3: top ten teams preseason. I imagine you'll probably get like four or five of those in the top eight national seeds by the time it comes around. I mean, because when you think about it, Mike, these teams are going to be battling it out with each other every weekend once SEC play comes around. So even if they pick up these losses, they're technically quality losses. If you go on the road for instance, LSU is welcoming in Tennessee this year, right? If Tennessee comes into LSU and loses two out of three, they're not going to penalize Tennessee for that. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's it's like iron sharpens iron with this conference. And I, you know, another thing that Kendall was mentioning about the Sunbelt, the Sunbelt's an underrated baseball conference too, and they made some really good additions. Old Dominion was a team that hosted a couple years ago, and then Southern Miss, of course, hosted last year. They hosted the LSU Regional. So I think that that's a conference to keep an eye on. If you're, if you're not necessarily an LSU fan, keep an eye on some Sunbelt baseball.
2: Well, I know Jimmy will call us about Southern Miss, right?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're going to have our tra- – we had our trash talk just the other week when uh, UL was playing Southern Miss in basketball. But, I mean, baseball is a whole different thing. The diamond gets a lot more intense, I think.
2: Uh, and, and you think about Southern Miss, man, with those, that pitching staff. Yeah, flashing, they lost They lost, lost a, couple a couple guys. guys from like Hurston team,
3: Waldrop yeah. went to Florida, and that's, that's, I think, a big reason why Florida is as highly ranked as they are because that's a staff ace that they just picked up. But man, that that you're right. That Southern Miss pitching staff was elite last year. Just the only issue is they couldn't hit. It's like the inverse of what Kendall was saying about UL yeah, for this year.
2: it's almost like you know, because you look at most teams in college baseball, they they built with the bats. You know, it's not so much all pitching. They built with the strong bats. Right. Uh, LSU last year, the way they were. They could score runs and they could hit. Uh, but the pitching, man, it was a roll of the dice. the
3: universal law of baseball, Mike. Pitching all, good pitching always beats good hitting.
2: Yeah, it's like that in the major leagues, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, like that, too. So, what do you think with your Astros? Do you think they got a chance to repeat?
3: I hope so. I think so. I think, uh, you know, for any of you, uh, you betters out there, I think the plus odds for Framber Valdez or Christian Javier to – when AL Cy Young next year, pretty, pretty good, pretty spicy.
2: Yeah, and man, uh, what about the Mets? That that that's a team a lot of people have talked about. They got off to a super hot start last yeah, year. Yeah, Papa Cohen's been spending that dime. So. Man, he, that checkbook and that them checks ain't bouncing. Yeah, no, uh, they he, had a
3: really disappointing you know exit last year. To The Padres, but I I think they're primed for another run at that NL East title. And
2: the Padres, man. Uh, I just can't predict the
3: Mets to win the NL East because the NL East is too tight. They got got the Braves, the Phillies, Phillies. and the Mets Yep, Yep. stacked.
2: We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And Marnie Schneider, who uh, uh, is an author and also her grandfather, used to own the Philadelphia Eagles. Her mom was the first female general manager in the NFL. Right after this news break here on the Big 870.